It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, everyone, where we connect the dots between our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual selves. You know, if 2020 didn't teach us anything more, it taught us the importance of being physically healthy. And it's continuing to teach us that in 2021. So on my website, which is synergyconnectionradio.com, you will see a link to Boomers Forever Young. And their products, I believe, are literally world-class products and they can keep you healthy. Uh, One of the things that is critically important is your immune system. And uh, just make sure that you're taking at least 10,000 international units of vitamin D. Um, The product that I like to talk about is what they call their Gladiator Barley. It is harvested in the pristine area of Canada, and it is a sprout when it's harvested. It's not a grain. So people that uh, are worried about gluten intolerance don't have to be worried about taking the Gladiator Barley. It has 20 grams of pre-digested protein in it, and so it goes to work immediately, rebuilding muscles, reducing inflammation, and taking toxins away from the body. So if you decide that you want to order any of their products, just use my first name, which is Lucy, L-U-C-Y, in the promo code, and you will get $5 off each and every order. So I have as a new guest today, uh, somebody that I think everybody is going to truly appreciate, and her name is Moya Gorski, and she has Gorski Wellness, and you're in Wheaton, Illinois, aren't you? I am in Wheaton, Illinois. Yep, just yeah. a suburb of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to live in uh, um, Chicago for a brief period of time, and that is one big city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know how often you go downtown, but even when I was living in Green Bay, Wisconsin, I used to go probably at least once a year and stay you know, down around the Drake Hotel in that area just to experience Michigan Avenue because that is such an incredible area. My mom took me there when I was a little girl and I've never really forgotten it. So um, uh, it's a special place, that's for sure. So you basically basically help to support men and women in mind, body and spirit on their life journey. So um, I don't know whether that means by the time they're 18 or, you know, when they're a little bit younger, but we all have a life journey that starts kind of in utero and, you know, continues, uh, until the day we die and you're a registered nurse. Uh, you have your bachelor's of science in nursing and you're the founder of Gorski wellness. Um, so our topic today is going to be self care and that's pretty exciting because everybody needs to know how to do that. Um, I think the stress level all of 2020 and certainly uh, with the uh, variants um, that people are facing scared to death, you know, because they're more dangerous, more deadly. um, We are still under a tremendous amount of stress and especially for caregivers as well. One of my um, guests, actually her husband came down with COVID and it turned into pneumonia. And uh, so she's on the caregiver end of this thing. And certainly self-care is highly recommended for anybody who's in that capacity. So share with us, how can we better take care of ourselves? 
Sure. Thanks for having me on here, Lucy. Um, I am a podcaster and that's how we also um, got connected. And um, I had you on my podcast and um, just started a conversation. Uh, I love to be connected with others who are on the same journey of, like you said, connecting the dots, uh, trying to help people to support people. You know, I, everything you said is true. Again, I'm a retired nurse. Um, I'm a mom of four kids, uh, podcaster, business owner. And, you know, I really learned, I guess the hard way, or I learned from life experience as the impact that stress and being sitting in a caregiver position, be it a mom, you know, taking care of your kids, um, taking care of your business. But then uh, about six years ago, our daughter was diagnosed with a life-threatening mental health disorder. And so that journey began of supporting her and trying to find her the best care. And I learned so much about, again, that impact on stress because uh-huh. it started to, even though I'm in the wellness field, I have, again, that background in medicine and nursing um, and help other people live healthier lives. It was really impacting me you know, to be putting all, you know, when anybody, you know, when one of your children starts to struggle and, you know, we just go into full out mode, like I'm going to help, I'm going to help. And I'm a nurse. And so I'm going to help and all of that. And um, as well as that's, you know, that's good. But I realized that as my health started to be impacted, um, that it wasn't a good thing. And thankfully, Um, I mean, lots of things, and we can continue to talk about those during this time, but lots of things I learned, but one of them, thank God, from my friends, they said, you know, you need to go take care of yourself. You need to take a little bit of a break. Maybe you need to come to our yoga class or go for a walk. I mean, started to talk about me taking care of myself. And that was kind of a foreign concept. Like I got to take care of my daughter. I've got to be, you know, this and my business and just, but to but I did that. My friends and someone else re- recommended a, a seminar to take and, and maybe come on this retreat. And again, it was, it was nothing that I was usually participating in. And I started to learn as I, I did these things, if you will, I learned that I was living in this kind of space of again, being a caretaker, taking care of others, and almost in sometimes being a martyr and like feeling like I was the victim and like all of these things, instead of really putting myself first and taking care of myself and learning that when I do that, when I did that, and when I do that, and we've all heard it, right? We go on an airplane, you know, we used to go on airplanes, you know, and you got to put the oxygen mask on first, or you have to fill your cup up first. I've heard all of that. But I wasn't doing that. And I was encouraged to from, again, the help of my friends and some of these retreats and things I went on that I needed to take care of myself first, because then I could better show up for myself, but really for anybody else around me, be it my daughter, my business and all of that. So that was my journey really into, you know, what I call just compassionate self-care and putting myself first. And it's taken, it takes some adjustment because again, we have to, I have to put my, you know, sometimes I had to learn more about boundaries and those, you know, the, what boundaries are all about. I thought I knew what boundaries were, but I really had to go to school and learning about boundaries and read some books and things like that. And knowing that boundaries is a way that we show other people how to treat us and things like that. Yeah, that's very, very true. Um, 
many, many years ago, I, I guess I had either read or I was maybe at a seminar, but this stuck with me because um, it's, a, it's a picture, if you will, that you could hold in your mind that about half of the population has antenna on the top of their head that swivels around looking for people who need them. And those are the caregivers of the world. And you know whether they are teachers or in the ministry or social workers or, you know, but somebody that is actually giving. And the other half of the population has antenna swirling around looking for the caregiver. And um, so we all have, you know, this uh, need, need to be taken care of in some cases and need to take care of in other cases. And that makes it super, super interesting, except that when you are the caregiver and you get into the role of, you know, like a relationship with your daughter or your husband or a best friend, pretty soon you're drained. You know, you have no more to give. And at that point, you know, it is time to figure out how to take care of yourself. So, you know, the yoga class, I'm sure was awesome. Meditation, breathing techniques, uh, emotional freedom technique. I mean, there's so many different things that we can use to begin to maybe minister to ourselves. Right. So. And I, yeah, that's the thing. I started to do kind of experience lots of different things and I found you know, again, some things that have really helped me that I do occasionally. And there's things that really have become like these non-negotiables for me that I do every day. Or again, if it's once a month, like a, mas- a regular massage once a month type mm-hmm. of thing, mm-hmm. there are things that I've established that I find that when I do them and I stay true to them, then again, I show up differently. I feel better and things like that. And so what you know, is a big that- part of that you know, what is non-negotiable for you? I'm curious that you do every day. Yeah. Well, what I do, and again, I'm, I, I'm not a hundred percent, right. But it's the majority <laughs> of the time, right. you know, I get up, I usually am the, one of the first ones up in the house and regardless if I'm first up or not, it's, I go get my tea and I go to my front room and that's where I spend some time. And sometimes it's a little time, sometimes it's a lot more time, depending on how much I have and how I'm feeling and things like that and what I need. But during that time, I read, you know, it might be, um, I do have like my daily readers that are from some codependent no more or some um, Al-Anon or just some different, you know, books that I have. I have my Bible and things like that. And so I do a little bit of reading. I do a little bit of journaling. Um, to just write down my thoughts, either from those readings or just something that's swirling around in my head. Um, and I really, I mean, I've really learned, uh, journaling has really um, become part of my, um, part of my day and has really given, I don't know, I've just, I used to, I, I'll say that I used to not journal because I was like, man, my penmanship has gotten pretty poor over the years. And so I'm like, you know, it doesn't look very good when I write and what's, and, but then I realized, you know, I, who's going to read my journal? Right. You know, maybe me. And I can usually decipher my reading. I'm not planning on writing a book, at least at this point. So I don't have to have it so perfect. So just write, right? Uh-huh. That's someone told me that once, just go write and get those. And I find that I can just, it's amazing. You start to get those thoughts. I start to get those thoughts out of my head. And it's amazing kind of the things that I discover as I journal. So I really enjoy doing that in the morning. Sometimes I'll do it before bed. 
if I'm, if I have a lot of thoughts, because I find that I don't do that, then I lay in bed and I go through all those thoughts. And sometimes it's difficult for me to sleep. Um, so I do the reading, the journaling, I'll do some meditation and prayer. Um, it may be a guided meditation that I find on a favorite app, or it may just be, um, you know, as I journal, I do write down a lot of my gratitudes for the day. And then I sometimes write down a friend told me that, you know, I wrote down things I need help with. And so those kind of become my prayers. So it can be a, just a prayer through that. Um, and again, that's pretty much that morning routine, but then I move on to doing some type of movement. If it's, I go for a walk, walk the dogs this morning, I went downstairs and popped a a podcast in and I did some walking, running on the treadmill. Um, I might do a little dance video because I've been doing some ballroom dancing. So I sometimes like to work out with that, but there's just that movement piece again, that, that gets the blood pumping and things like that, that, um, is part of my self-care. And then nutrition is a huge part. I mean, you talked about that at the beginning of your podcast. You have some um, some brands that you love and support. I do the same, you know, but just that idea of building my health on a good foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've learned that in my wellness business. Um, I learned a little bit of that in nursing, but just that importance of just like we have to build our house on a good foundation if we want it to last. I've learned that we have to build our health on a good foundation. So my mornings, um, always include a handful of vitamins and supplements. Um, I usually have a protein shake that's filled with, you know, my favorite protein powder and maybe some vegetables, fruit and, you know, water, coconut water, things like that. And, you know, again, that's really my, sometimes I don't do it every single day, but most of the days that's how I start my day. And it's amazing. You do that. And I do that. And I just, I just feel like I can face the day. Uh uh better when I start my day that way. And that's, that's a big part of my self-care. Again, there may be some other things that um, come into play here and there. And I do try to get a monthly massage now um, as if I can, you know, for a while we had to, we couldn't do that with COVID. And um, boy, once my uh, therapist was able to see me again, it was interesting. You know, he texted me and said, we're open. If you want to come, you just have to wear a mask. And it's, 30 minutes only. And I'm like, great, I'm, I'm in, made an appointment. And then as it got close to that time, he says, you know, the restrictions on that 30 minutes are off. So a lot of times I'll do a 90 minute massage. So I said, sure, give me, I mean, we could use it. (laughs) Um, And I have to say, Lucy, I had a, I mean, he's a wonderful massage therapist, had a great massage. And the last 10 minutes, I actually started crying because it was so overwhelming. Like the release that I felt, mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't, I don't, I can't say that, you know, a lot of times we cry because we're sad. I wasn't necessarily sad. It was just that release and like how he's a wonderful massage therapist and you can feel the love in his hands and the movement. And it just felt so good. Cause I had been, we all have been so deprived for so long during this lockdown of, right, right. you know, that personal touch and things like that. So that's something that I've added in as well that I'll have on a monthly basis because I realize that that's, that's so important to me. Right. There is a gal that um, is in this area of Florida and she wrote a book, oh gosh, probably at least 15 years ago that was called Writing from Your Soul. Mm-hmm. And I took this you know class with her Um, it was, uh, I don't know, maybe three hours long, but one of the exercises that we did 
was to take a piece of paper and there was maybe, I don't know, 12 or 15 of us. And she said, um, you know, sit with it, you know, don't edit it, don't think about punctuation or spelling or anything else. Just give yourself permission to write from your soul. And it sounded like such a strange um, direction in a way for, you know, for us to go. Mm -hmm. And so I know I sat there for a couple of minutes thinking, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess my soul's going to give me a direction here and tell me, you know, what he, she wants to write about. And um, so that was fascinating because I would say after maybe the first five minutes of not writing down anything, I couldn't keep up with my pen. It was going so fast with so many, you know, just different ideas, different thoughts, different messages. And what I later found out is that um, if you do, and, and you sound like you do journal every day, but if you do journal and you don't uh, actually have a specific topic, if you just sit down, you know, have your water, have your candle if you need that, you know, have your writing instruments and your paper, and then sit there until something happens. And for a lot of people, it might even take going into a specified time because you need to do it the same time every day. Um, but going into a specified time for maybe 15 minutes, you might actually have nothing come out for a week because your soul isn't used to being requested to do anything. And so it'll be in there going, yeah, right. You're really going to listen to me. I don't think so. <laughs> and then after a couple of days, it's like, oh, you really do want to know what I have to say. And that's when the flow of messages will come. And we all have, I believe, guardian angels. I think we all have spiritual guides and they just wait. They wait until we say we're ready. And until we say we're ready, nothing really happens. They kind of guide us. They nudge us. They, you know, maybe push us a little bit one way or the other, but they don't really communicate until we're ready to hear their message. Do you find that true? I do. Yes, I do find that true. I do believe that it made me uh, remember just uh, many years back again, when my daughter was really deep in uh, the beginning of her struggles and it was just so difficult. And she was away at a, we had uh, made the choice to send her to a, you know, residential treatment facility. And it was just, it was a, it was a very difficult time. And I remember being in my kitchen, being brought to my knees and, um, you know, just crying and, and praying and things like that. And after that day, I would, again, I really started to find that time in the morning to be quiet. And I started to hear you know, voices in my head, I tell people, I, I heard names, you know, you know, Lucy or Joan or Sean or, and I didn't really know why the, you know, what that purpose was, but I started to call those people or reach out to them or give them a text, say, Hey, Lucy, I'm thinking about you today. How are you doing? Mm -hmm. And I started to learn the reason for it, you know, as I started to talk with them and they shared something or they asked how I was doing. And it was just, and I felt like I do believe that it's the guardian angels or my um, those that have gone before me, you know, kind of my spiritual team on the other side, mm -hmm. giving me these nudges of words or ideas. I really believe that my podcast um, came from those nudges from the universe and God or that spiritual team to say, you need to start talking about this. And I, I couldn't, you know, I, I put it away from. 
Yeah. You know, I, I put it away agree. for a while for several months and, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And I think when those nudges come, be it whatever you want to believe, if it's from an angel or your God or your spirit, whatever, when they continue to come, they're given to us for a reason. We need to do something about mm-hmm. them. And so mm-hmm. I truly believe there are guardian angels and whatnot. And I know that at least for myself, you know, I got so busy that I just, I wasn't, I wasn't, and I got so busy and wasn't quiet enough to hear those. Right. Like you said, they're waiting for you. They're waiting to help us, but we've got to, you know, we've got to slow down enough. We need to quiet ourselves enough. And sometimes they have to Uh maybe talk real loudly or things like that to get Uh our attention. Yeah. I, um, Gray's Anatomy. I don't know whether you're watching it this year or not. But not this um, season, but I have many seasons in the past. Okay. Well, Meredith, you know, has had COVID and she's basically oh. been on a ventilator and uh, very close to death. And so every single show, she's someplace on a shore and she's talking to those that have passed over. So she's in that in between state where mm. she doesn't know whether she wants to live. She really likes it where she's at. And as a nurse, you probably know people who have had near-death experiences. Um, I've mm-hmm. actually had one myself. So I know you know that, that you can want to stay because it's such a beautiful place where you are and you don't have any of the issues you know, that we do here on earth. Um, but uh, it was interesting because in last night's sh- show, I, I record them. So I was watching the one that I had recorded. And um, one of her dear friends who had died, you know, came to say hi to her. And, you know, you need to be thinking about returning to your body now. And she was like, but I don't know whether I want to go or not, you know. And he, he was explaining how he talks to people. And he says, I jump up and down beside them. And I yell in their ear and he said, and I never get any credit, you know, because all of a sudden they'll get the idea and they'll do it, but it's not like they go, Oh, and he gave me that idea. (laughs) So that's, that's just kind of humorous how we can, I think, get all of these wonderful messages. And I've learned to actually attribute them, you know, to my guides because they're usually such, such amazing things that I know it wasn't me in at least a human form. It might be in my spiritual self, but um, I do believe that we, we talked about um, chakras and being attached. And I know that I'm attached up to the 11th one because of the healing abilities that I seem to have. And that is definitely right there, right below uh, the 12th uh, divine connection. And so I know that, that we're channels you know, that if we keep ourselves in alignment, more or less, that that information can just go up and down those channels. And it's only when we get maybe bogged down in um, one of our human emotions that we lose that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that that's, yeah, I think that's the importance of self-care is that it keeps me, it can keep us in alignment, mm-hmm. you know, with you know, with the divine, with our, and again, it could be a massage. It could be a cranial sacral or a chiropractic adjustment or, you know, those type of things, you know, really keeping 
I like that analogy, you know, just keeping us in alignment mm-hmm. um, because when things are aligned, be it that our, our car, you know, right. Our right. tires are aligned or our bodies aligned, they function better. Yes. Um, and again, even with nutrition, when nutrition is aligned and we're giving our body what it needs, then it functions, you know, it functions better. One of the things that I, I know, and, and maybe nutrition is something we need to talk about at least for a few minutes, but one of the things that became so clear with COVID is that so many of the people who were dying were had very poor nutrition. And maybe for a lot of different reasons, <clears throat> some of them might've been economical, uh, some of them might have been uh, just education, you know, because they, they really don't understand nutrition. But, um, you know, the obesity that's here in the United States, I don't know percentage wise, but I know Harvard has done some studies now that are coming out about uh, the real issue for the death with COVID-19. In many instances was a very low vitamin D level and obesity, those two mm-hmm. factors. And those are things that are correctable. You know, I mean, the vaccine is going to make a difference, yes. But the long term is taking accountability, you know, for mm-hmm. who we are physically and educating ourselves on how to stay healthy and get healthy. So as a nurse, how, how do you kind of look at that when you're working with some of the people that you're helping them on their life journey? Do, do you go in and talk about that with them? You know, I do. And I, again, it's, it can be during this time with, uh, you know, debate about the vaccine and COVID and things like there's been quite, you know, I try just not, I try to give with really with anybody, I always say everybody has a choice, Mm -hmm. but I believe that education is so important. And those diseases, if you will, like obesity and diabetes, you know, many times we call them lifetime lifestyle diseases because they, you know, they happen as a result of an unhealthy lifestyle. And like you said, there are things that we can control. There are things that we can, um, participate in to get, to get better. You know, it doesn't have to be a death sentence because you're overweight. You can take a look at losing 10 pounds, moving a little bit more, you know, that type of thing. And Uh I try to, again, part of really a part of my business is to educate because I've learned so much outside of nursing in regards to nutrition and supplementation. And as many will say, well, I eat pretty healthy and I, you know, I get everything I need from my food and drink. Well, and that's wonderful if you can, but it's really so difficult these days to do that with, besides the fact that we're so busy and do we really all, I mean, every single day, every meal eat super healthy. Perhaps not. And the, you know, the nutrient value of our crops is so depleted. It's just so difficult to get what we need from our diets. And so it really makes it so imperative to be on some type of smart supplement plan, Mm -hmm. as well as, again, if you, I mean, you live in a beautiful, sunny Florida and, um, but you know, when we're around the sun, a lot of times we put the sunscreen on. And so then we're not getting the vitamin D that we need. And then I live in the Midwest. And if you live north of, what do they say, the Mason Dixon line or so, you're probably, you know, completely depleted of your vitamin D. So, but those are things that we can take control of. And that's what, especially during this pandemic time, people have been so afraid and impacted with their health. And, and so I try to educate and say, you know what? Yes, it's, 
you know, it's, it's a dangerous, you know, <laughs> COVID. I mean, it's impacted, but what can you do? You can take control of some things. You can right. take some extra vitamin D um, and please do, because again, the studies are showing that it's low vitamin D, low, um, um, C oh, no, I and zinc. Well, low C and zinc, those are certainly helpful. Um, I think resveratrol can be uh, super helpful. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. So again, just there are things that we can do. And yes, we need to protect ourselves and be smart. And, but part of that can be the smart, you know, smart supplementing and getting out and moving more. And, yes, um, yeah. you know, we've had to change, we've had to change our habits and, um, and I just encourage people to create some healthier habits now. Right. You know, yeah. We've had to change things. We can't go to the health clubs or we aren't, you know, taking the commute to work and walking from the train over there to get our, mm -hmm. so we just have to adjust a little bit and change some things around. And it's not going to go back to that normal. It's just now we've got a different. It's a new normal, as they say, it's a new normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is something else that um, I even encourage people, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, called ashwagandha. Um, it's from mm -hmm. India, but it's been around a very, very long time, like a couple thousand years. And um, it actually calms down the adrenal glands. And everybody has been firing those adrenal glands like crazy for the last year because it's the stress, um, you know, it's the fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. And so cortisol is released into your system. And when you have constant cortisol release, you know, your adrenals are going to be fatigued. They're not going to function right. And ashwagandha just kind of calms it down. So some people I'm encouraging them to take it at night, you know, as part mm -hmm. of their bedtime routine and, yep. uh, you know, take two capsules and making sure that they're getting restorative sleep, you know, whatever that mm -hmm. needs to be. Some people um, like you said, you know, their brains are not turning off. And so melatonin works for some. Um, my son discovered a, it's like a gummy that's a, a melatonin and it's a little bit stronger than the normal, I guess it has like an extended release, but for the first time in years, he is really sleeping pretty well because he has that monkey brain, you know, mm -hmm. that just keeps mm -hmm. chattering at him, even when the lights go off. <laughs> and right. so this has helped him because he takes it a little bit before he goes to bed and then uses a sound machine and the sound machine mm -hmm. kind of has waves. And so it can help lull you into sleep. Yeah. I, you know, I learned about ashwagandha and how that, you know, ashwagandha and ginseng two uh -huh. adaptogenic herbs that really help to balance things on the inside. I tell people just in a simple way, but they mm -hmm. really do nourish those adrenal glands. And I started to, as my health was declining and my menopause symptoms, and I was having trouble sleeping. And again, I take pretty good care of myself, but I really had to look at some things and really take into effect that the adrenal stress that I was uh -huh. under. And ashwagandha has been a lifesaver for me as well as the ginseng. Um, I will take something, I don't use melatonin um, myself and I don't always promote it. Sometimes it really helps people. Sometimes um, I found that maybe a little calcium before bed can, oh. you know, calcium and magnesium can help. Mm -hmm. um, also valerian root, you can drink that in a tea, you can take it in a supplement that uh -huh. sometimes helps again, that monkey brain. Um, but I was same thing during last year. I've, I mean, I've in the past, I've slept once I get to sleep, I'm out, but boy, last year I was really, um, 
really challenged with that. And so I really looked into lots of different things, different oil combinations that I'd put on before bed. I did pull out our sound machine. I found that has helped me so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I use one. Yeah. And um, sometimes I'll do uh, like a body scan meditation. If it's just been an unusually stressful day, I'll do that after dinner. And that really just balances me out so that I can sleep better, that journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I also realized, cause one of my friends said, well, it's probably menopause. I'm like, well, I've already gone through menopause. I mean, that's in the past. They said, well, you know, a few years past, I seem to be finished with that. And she said, no, but still your estrogen levels and things like that, it could be um, still impacting your sleep. And it's probably a combination of things, but I started to take some supplements to support the menopause, you know, and all of a sudden I'm sleeping better. So it can be so confusing sometimes and challenging because it's not just one thing. I also uh-huh. thought in the beginning, all of this screen time, you know, in the beginning when we shut down and then everybody's creating a new group and then now we're hopping on Zoom and we're just all of this screen time. And I feel like that impacted. So I really, um, that was part of my kind of workday self-care was, I was, and then I was recording lots of podcasts because I just started. And so I was trying to take advantage of people being home and, and I really had to schedule that until, okay, I'm just going to do it on a couple of days a week, not every day being in front of this screen because that I believe impacts us. So, and I'm not, I'm not very happy when I can't, when I can't sleep well. So there are lots of, you know, um, there's lots of tools and things that you can try. And like you said, we need to give our body a chance to rest and restore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now your husband um, does Reiki and uh, I know I'm a Reiki master. So how, you know, has he talked to you a little bit about how Reiki energy can also be very calming and restorative? You've experienced it from him, I'm sure. I have experienced it a little bit. Sometimes I have to put my name on the list uh, because he is helping uh, so many, but um, you know, I, yes, I've experienced it from him. I know even before he started to get some formal training, um, I know I have a couple other practitioners that I'll go to that it's so, so relaxing and um, healing and um, calming and things like that. And so mm-hmm. um and, you know, we talked about that, I think, when you were on my podcast is just that idea of that I, I just wasn't so sure about all of that energy and things like that. It really, I've re- really enjoyed learning about that and seeing what that, how that can really, um, can really help. He likes to, um, yeah, he has really been drawn to Reiki as a form of healing, you know, calming and healing. Um, he re- I really feel like he has... Um, and he feels he has a gift there and really is drawn to help people. Um, but that Reiki energy, yeah, it's, it's really something um, that can be so calming. And I encourage people to look into that. Again, I was so like, that sounds a little too weird for me. I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. But um, well, when you're science-based as you are, you know, if it doesn't add up, if you can't make sense of it because it's energy and energy isn't containable, you know, then how do you direct it? How do you, you know, have that flow? And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's something that you learn to do, but you and I talked, I think on your show, the fact that we have 50 trillion cells 
in our body that are constantly vibrating energetically. And so when we understand that, that we're nothing more than energy housed in a virtual body. And so the body itself is our container and from birth to death, however long that is, all those cells are vibrating. So when you're doing Reiki on somebody, you're simply connecting your vibrational frequency into theirs. And I've had people tell me that they can actually feel my energy moving through their body. You know, they, they can, um, you know, if they've got a bad shoulder, it, one guy that I work on, he said, it's like, um, it's like you're chasing it. You know, the pain is there and you're moving it energetically with your energy and it just moves and then it's gone. And mm -hmm. so otherwise it wants to stagnate and kind of stay put. So I think, um, you know, that's part of the lesson is that, you know, we are spiritual beings, but we're energetic beings, we're physical beings, and yet we're energetic beings. And if we learn to work from our heart, um, the uh, Heart Institute uh, has a lot of uh, Heart Math Institute that's out in California. It has a ton of research that it's been doing for probably 30 years out there on how we can best harness this um, intuitive energy that resides in our hearts. It's not in any place else. And we have something like, um, I don't know whether it's 40,000 brain cells, but it's a large number of brain cells that are actually in our heart. And the heart helps to control then the intellect as much as the intellect is controlling. So if we can learn to be more intuitively based, then that's another way of self-care is we're listening to us and what we need as opposed to what everyone else needs. Mm -hmm. Well, and what everybody else needs or what we think we need too. Mm -hmm. And I, at least speaking for myself and um, just that, you know, wanting to have control and know how things are lined up. And perhaps that's my scientific brain um, or just my codependency that I continue to, to work through and things like that. We, I just want to make sure I know how it's going to work out. But when we just kind of let go of that and surrender that to the energy around us, Again, I think that's how we can follow that intuition and follow those nudges that, you know, again, can nudge us along if, if we slow down enough to, to, to listen to that or to, to feel, you know, to feel that. Because um, I think anybody that's listening to this, they would know that there's sometimes that you'll drive down the street and you just are like, I think I'm supposed to go here mm -hmm. you know, or I'm supposed to, you know, and then you realize that oh, that's why I'm supposed to go here. There was an accident here. I mean, you learn it and it's like, where does that come from? Right. Well, that's, that's intuition. That's energy. That's an angel. That's whatever you want to call it. But there right. is something, you know, out there. And, you know, I think you explained it a little bit to me and another friend that I know that's an angel reader, this whole quantum physics. I mean, it, it, there is, there's a whole bunch of science, you know, there in it so actually you and your husband could do that if you wanted to um it, it's called bouncing energy but if you um take your two hands and just put them um opposite each other you can begin to feel the pressure of energy between your hands okay mm -hmm. and once you begin to know what that feels like then you're also able to um send it to another person. So if your husband was sitting across from you, cause I've done this with people, 
you can kind of send that energy over to them and then they can send it back. And so you can almost play it like badminton, you know, with energy because you're going to push it towards the other person and they're going to push it back to you and get that sensation. And it'll help you understand energy because he already, you know, has grasped a pretty good idea of what his energy is and how he sends it. But he can teach you a little bit about sending it back and forth. Yeah, he has showed me that. And then he'll do that. Like if we're at somebody's house or he's someplace else, he's like, here, let me do an experiment, you know, just to show, just uh -huh. like, just like you said, to show them and maybe he'll put his hands over their head or some particular place. And he's like, do you feel that? Do you feel that? And I remember him doing that with my aunt the other day and she's so no, 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 don't come close. I mean, she was so, she was so opposed to it and really? afraid of it, but um, oh it's amazing, you know? Yeah. Well, but again, I, uh, not everybody's open to it. And she's a very, very strong believer in, in her, her ways of thinking. So yeah. uh, it didn't surprise me just knowing, you know, knowing her, but you know, I also wanted to mention, because it came up when I was, when you were talking about the HeartMath Institute, I have a, um, a good friend who, because um, isn't there a HeartMath, like app that you can listen to during meditation? I actually like have, have it. It's called Inner Balance. And mm -hmm. when you put it on your phone, uh, well, the Inner Balance device is something you can order from the HeartMath mm -hmm. Institute, but it actually is like a mandala. So it breathes and you can set it for whatever rhythm you want. And when you synchronize your breathing and your thought patterns so that it's centered in your heart and not your head, it goes from uh, those that are still in their head, it's going to uh, cause it to become red. So it dings at a different frequency. As you calm down, it becomes blue. And when your heart's centered, it's green. So you can keep your eyes closed and know when you're in green. And the objective is to stay there and go all the way around the mandala several different times in green, because then you're yeah. in what they call heart coherence. Yeah, she, she explained, she's a gal that runs a women's circle that I attend uh, once a month. And again, that's part of my self-care too. Uh -huh. um, and um, she uses that on a regular basis. She, she, she told us about that. And it's really fascinating. I've thought about it several times to um, make that investment and use that as a tool because yeah, it's not, I've, it's not too you know, expensive. I've, I think it's yeah. about, well, when I bought it, I think it was about like 140 bucks, something like that. And, mm -hmm. um, and it really, you know, it is a good device. And sometimes when I'm recording, and the person comes, you know, to my studio um, where I can record. If they come in and they have bought the traffic on Highway 19, and maybe they've had a kind of rough morning so far, they're all over the place. And they may understand meditation. They may understand deep breathing, you know, all of those things. But, um, and they think that they're calm, but they're not. And so I will hook them up to this and I, I'll just, because I always have people come a little bit in advance. And I said, you know what, you, we need to do some breathing here for a few minutes in order to get you back into your heart coherence before we do the show. And they'll be like, oh yeah, that's not, not a big deal. And then they realize that they really are out of sequence. So it's, I think it's a pretty good investment because um, you are definitely much healthier 
when you're in heart coherence. When you stay in your head intellectually, you know, it doesn't do your body any favors. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I don't know if I shared this with you when we were speaking before, but I started to take ballroom dance lessons in the summer of last year. Okay. And um, and I've really enjoyed it, and I'm doing well. And but part of my challenge is to get out of my head and to really feel, yeah, you know, to feel feel that and stop thinking so much about my feet and where they're going to go. And that's what, you know, a couple of the instructors, I work with a couple of instructors are like, could you stop thinking so much? And, you know, I did a, I did a competition, you know, I bought the sparkly dress or borrowed the sparkly dress and all that. And it was a great experience. I did well, but oh boy, I was so, he's like, could you just stop thinking so much? And so when you say that, I mean, I truly believe that uh, the, the dancing is a form of really of therapy and healing for me. Um, if we're talking about self-care, it really has been part of my, um, my self-care. I put those couple of lessons in my, um, my schedule every week because I'm, I'm finding that it's, it's really, it's helping, it's challenging. Um, and it's becoming more than just learning the steps to the waltz or the Viennese waltz or the salsa. It's really about that, trying to get up. Can I, can I relax enough? Can I get it out of my head and really feel into my heart and open my heart up and express myself through dance? It's a big, it's a big challenge. And I, again, I, I enjoy it, but um, it really made me think of that as you were speaking of the heart and the head. head yeah. I am challenged with that. So how did you ever decide? I mean, somebody else might've said, well, I'm gonna go do pottery and somebody else might've said painting. How did you decide on dance? Well, I knew that a couple, I have a good friend who took some lessons there and I'd seen that on Facebook. And then I had another friend who does, uh, she has a marketing type of like lifestyle magazine in that oh. town. And uh -huh. she had been in there to, you know, get them to join her magazine and took a free lesson and told me about that. We were walking one day and I always felt like, I, I mean, I love music. I grew up playing the, the piano, playing classical music, Bach and Chopin and Beethoven and all of that. And so I love, and I love music. Music is something that just um, is really important to me and really moves me. Mm -hmm. And it has been a stressful time, not only this last year, but the last many years. And I thought, you know, I just, I feel like I could dance well if I had a good lead. I have a friend in high school that we would meet up at dances. We dated a little bit for a while, but we were just really good friends. And we always danced. Like we could always just, he could just pick up and like we would dance. And I saw, so and my husband doesn't particularly care to dance. And, um, and I thought, you know, if I have a good lead, like I'll just try it out. And my friend said, just go take a free class. And so I took a free class and it was like, Wow. And he looked at me. I remember Dimitri looked at me. He's like, have you been dancing before? And I said, no, I've never danced like not this way. And he said, you just have this like, and I said, I don't know, you put a waltz on and connect with me and tell me to move my feet. I mean, I can feel it. And so I decided to try it out. And so I took a few lessons and then it was time to sign up for the next chunk. And so I tried some more and it just, I really enjoy it. And so I've made the investment to continue on with it. And like I said a little bit earlier, I've learned that it's not just about how to learn how to do the dance. It's really become so much 
more for me again of learning sure. just learning to get out of my head and connect with my heart and one of my friends said oh yeah you're you're pretty creative and she said it with some hesitancy i said i am creative but you know what the stress that's been in my life and me taking care of everybody else and if you know anything about the enneagram you know i thought i was an enneagram too where like who am i if no if nobody needs me like i, I need to help everybody but the fact is I'm much, I'm an Enneagram four and, but I was living and just taking care of everybody else. And I really, and I mean, a part of my heart has been kind of covered up with that, that pain and that, you know, just to protect it and hurt and stuff like that. And so this dance is really starting to open it up and it's really kind of rocked me. Sometimes I've left crying or I've cried when I've, you know, it's just like, what is going on? But it's really, it's like I said, it's become part of my self-care and part of my, kind of my healing journey. Um, you know, a, a part of what you're saying is, um, to me at least, is like you have gotten back in touch with who you are on a soul level. And so when tears come, it's usually a direct result of uh, touching a core value that you have and, you know, not hiding it, not, not keeping it under wraps, so to speak. And I think as a major caregiver, as a nurse, I mean, you couldn't, I, one of the things that I am hearing over and over, and I'm sure you're hearing it, is how difficult COVID has been for all of the people in the healing profession. You know, they're watching people die left and right, and they can't do anything about it. And so, you know, the person that they are, you know, that can help or can heal, they can't, you know? And so, you know, one after another, after another is being wheeled away, you know, because they've died. And I think, um, you know, this self-care, certainly I hope that nurses and doctors and people that are on the front line, I hope to goodness that they're doing something, you know, to take care of themselves. Right, well, because you know what, Lucy, I mean, notoriously nurses, and doctors don't take care of themselves, no, regardless of what's going on in the world. I mean, there's some of, unfortunately, there's some of the unhealthiest people. Mm. And I think, you know, merely because of that, they're taking care of, they're putting all their energy into helping everyone Everybody else. Yeah. And they put yeah. themselves on the back burner. And right. again, me as a mother of someone with, um, you know, with an ad addiction, I mean, I've learned through eating disorders and the work that I've done with my podcast. I mean, it is a form of ad addictions. And again, we want to help them, but we, we learned that we can't, I mean, mm -hmm. I needed to get off that roller coaster of that ride with my daughter, that right. things would get better. And then she relapsed and then they get better. And not to say that I'm stepping away because some women have said to me, why, you're not going to help her. I'm like, no, 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 it's her, but hurts her, her journey. It like is. I'm going to be right next to her perhaps, you know, in the car behind her, but this is her journey. And these are her choices and her responsibility and her mm -hmm. accountability of, you know, and I learned that, and I heard this from a gal in a support group, a mom who had a daughter who recovered, but said, I needed to get off that roller coaster. And you know what, I needed to learn as much as I could about this disorder, which I knew nothing about that was taking, seemingly taking the life of my daughter. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I had an eating disorder myself. And when they talked about genetics being part of this and like my past seemingly repeating itself in front of my face. Yeah. That's a pain that's, that hits, 
you know, it hits hard. And so I was glad that this mom said I needed to learn about it, but you know what? I needed to go get a counselor. I needed to go take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And I did that. I mean, I started to find a, I, I remember walking into the therapist's office who was known in the area to help, you know, children, teenagers teenagers, young adults who dealt with eating disorders. And I walked into her office and sat on her couch and she said, well, what are you doing here? And I said, well, my daughter's in treatment and I need, I need your help because she was used to counseling the kids Uh and she doesn't, didn't often see the moms or the dads. And I said, I need to process through. And she taught me that when pain arises, it's because it's there to teach you something. And I needed to process through that pain and to work through that anguish that I was feeling with my daughter just struggling. And, right. um, you know, again, you that can be it. that. And I couldn't fix it. And I still can't. Mm-hmm. And I still it still breaks my heart. But knowing that, again, I've learned how to create that boundary to say, I mean, is unfortunate. And for whatever my daughter called, right, when we were having a little difficulty getting online here, and I picked up the phone, I said, honey, I love you. I can't talk to you. Now, before I would have been so like, oh, I've got to talk to her. And Lucy, could I just, I would have done that before because I felt like I have to give all of my, but I've learned that, you know what, I'll call you later. This is important to me. This is my schedule. I'm sorry that it doesn't, you know, I can't talk to you now, but I'll talk to you later. Right. I had to learn those boundaries to feel like, cause this is important to me. This is part of my schedule. I made this commitment to you, Lucy, to be here for you. And mm-hmm. I'll get to my daughter at a different time, but it was all of those, so many things. And so many, like, again, putting myself first or saying to the family, I'm upstairs or sometimes I don't even tell them. I just go upstairs. My children are older. They don't, you know, it's fine if mom's upstairs, I'll go upstairs, close the door, whatever, hop in the bathtub, turn on a TV program, open a book saying, you know what, I'm done. Unless it's like house is burning down, <laughs> unless there's blood, you could just leave me be because I need this time. And before I would have felt like I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that time. I don't deserve it. Because what are these people going to do if I'm not in their face trying to help them? Like exactly. we need, I needed to step back right. and say, you know what, you got to, I'm here to help you. Let's process through it. But you got to, you got to, figure it out yourself, dude, or you got to make, try to make those or take the responsibility for, you know, for your life. Right. Right. That's, that's very true. One of the things that was so fascinating, um, that, uh, I believe it's Dr. Bruce Lipton that actually said this, but, uh, he commented that the last trimester of pregnancy, so the last three months, and then the first seven years, so seven years and three months of a person's life, um, is when they are gathering information. So it's, it's all about input, right? And then you begin to do the output. So those first seven years and three months is so critically important because look at the people that are in that person's life. You know, parents, obviously, mother, father, mm-hmm. maybe brother, sister, aunts, uncles, grandparents, teachers, neighbors, friends, but all of that information that they are absorbing and how much of it might be incorrect, you know, in the sense of it's not going to help them live their best life. Some of it might be eating habits. Some of it might be, you know, living with a parent who's depressed or, you know, anxious or bipolar or, you know, something like that. Um, Some of it might be job stress, you know, because 
you don't leave it at the office. You do bring it home and it's there on that cellular level, you know, inside of you creating all kinds of havoc. And you think you maybe left it at work, but you didn't. And it comes in the door. And so the child from again, you know, seven years plus three months is absorbing all of that. So the self-care that you're learning to do in my mind is wonderful for everyone around you because they're learning how to take care of themselves. And if they don't learn it from somebody who's doing it, where are they going to learn it? Right. Right. I, I agree with you, Lucy. It's, it's about, I feel like as parents, we are kind of the bumpers that our kids bump up against, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. they have some trouble and they can bump up against us and we can give them support and things like that. And we can be that living example of how to take care of ourselves, how to push past our fears, how to, you know, deal with adversity, deal with challenges in our life. We, you know, and again, we can say that we're not perfect because no one is, but we are, I believe we can be that example to them yes. as we take care of ourselves instead of, again, trying to just control their life and be in there, like step back and just take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And know that there's so much power in us being a living example. And I show that, um, you know, to others again with, with their health, if it's in self-care, but it's also just, you know, your kids, oh, my kids don't eat a salad. Well, do you eat a salad? And like, just put the salad on the table and (laughs) just give them a few pieces of lettuce while you have a few pieces of lettuce. Mm -hmm. Like you, you know, be the living example for them that it's okay to have a salad, you know, Mm -hmm. and have some croutons or it's okay to have some ice cream because it's all about balance, right? So just being that example. And I remember on a a uh, leadership conference I was at uh, and Dean Ornish came and spoke. And I don't know if you've heard of him, but oh, sure, sure. yeah, I mean, he does a lot of, and again, what is, is he a heart? I mean, he's, he's a, a cardiologist, he's a yeah. Cardiologist. And he has created an institute and books and cookbooks and things like that about just the simple things that we need to, to move more, to love more, to stress less. Mm-hmm. There's like a fourth one that I can't remember, but it's two things to do less and two things to do more. And it just simplifies it. And we, if we just simply just think about that, can we love people more? Can we stress less? Can we just move a little bit more? Um, and maybe eat, I think maybe it was eat less because of, probably you know, eat the, less because he's less. definitely into the smaller plates and you know, we, everything has been supersized for so many years and we have to get back to, you know, a smaller amount. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times, if you go out to eat, you know, you can order one meal and split it and that's really mm-hmm. the right portion. Mm-hmm. And we're not I have used a, to doing that. <laughs> right. I have a, one of my sisters, when she goes out often, she said time, she says, can you bring me a to-go container when you bring my food? And she just right away takes half of it, half puts of it, it in there you know, the and so the she's not, day. yeah, yes. Yeah, the lunch the next day. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, learning self-care and recognizing that you're not being selfish when you do it, you know, you have to get also that part of it, uh, uh, absorbed, you know, into your thinking, because again, mm-hmm. as caregivers, most of the caregivers I know, including myself, um, you know, we were taught that it's better to give than receive. 
And so now, you know, we're kind of turning that around a little bit and saying, no, we need to receive an equal amount. And that way we never are empty. And so right. that's probably and, a good and place. I, hmm? I was going to say that's probably yeah, I, a good place for us to actually end yeah. is just on the receiving and the giving, making sure that it is in balance. So um, why don't you share with everyone how they can find you? It's going to be on the synopsis of the show as well. But uh, for anybody listening that wants to jot it down, wants to talk to you about, you know, how they can maybe better take care of themselves and uh, you can assist them on their life journey. How can they find you? Sure. Well, you can find me on pretty much all of the majority of the social media channels with uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, again, my name, you'll see it in the synopsis. It's spelled M-O-Y-R-A. Um, and so I'm Moira Gorski on LinkedIn and Facebook, Green Gorski on Instagram. I do have a website, Gorski Wellness. Um, I do have a podcast. It's called Juggling the Chaos of Recovery. And, um, you know, you can reach out to any of those channels. Again, I love part of what I love to do, like we did, is c- to connect and see how we can support each other and help each other. And, you know, I like to tell people that it doesn't, you know, our circumstances don't dictate who we are, or who we can be. And again, that's what I love to do is support people, just find their voice, take care of themselves, find some simple steps. And I just want people to hear as we wrap it up to, to don't say like, oh, I can't do all of that. Well, don't do all of it. Like, can you start with one thing? Mm-hmm. Can you start with walking a little bit? Can you start with sitting quietly for five minutes in the morning? Just start someplace. Yeah. Get a starting point and get started and then just um, commit to doing a little bit each day and then maybe add a few more things. And before you know it, you know, you've got some more, you've got your nice little package of self-care tools. Right. Oh, I totally agree. Um, It has been a super pleasure having you be part of the show um we'll schedule you back here again in about uh, three and a half or four months and um thank you so by then let's see we'll be towards the middle of summer probably Mm -hmm. sometime in uh, july (laughs) yeah um well thank you again for being my guest and you are um, welcome thank you for having me i appreciate it we'll talk again soon Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Synergy Connection show. And be sure to check out the website, SynergyConnectionRadio.com, and check out the Boomer products. Um, I think all of you will be quite surprised at how beneficial they can be in making your life a healthier place to be. Thanks again. See you soon. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.